Oh, my God. 
After 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nahum Siegel. Welcome to a Wednesday. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program. Oh, you know. 
Oh. 
Shani Ayra Yimruchi Gevi 
Yeah. Oh, man.
the a.m. Wednesday morning. We're getting closer and closer. 
as the acapella music plays and uh, soon will drift away. <laughs> we are getting closer and closer to our JM and AM Lagba Omer musical extravaganza. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Kol Zimra, Small Piece of Heaven, the Chevra had Vahayu, Ivdu was uh, A.K.A. Pella, Don Alam was A.K.A. Pella. 613 with Leif Tahar, Misharim Choir had Yiddish Shamama, Leif Tahar had Rachem, Anim Zmiros, and Inavinkala, and of course Regesh, Modani opening things up, and we say good morning. It's Wednesday on this 28th of April, the 16th of ER, we're two days away from our Lagba Omer Live Music Extravaganza. Oh, I cannot wait. I cannot wait. Avram Rosenblum, the Diasperados, R.E.A. Kunstler. Amazing super band. It's going to be incredible. Um, today is day number 31 in the counting of the Omer. Today is day number 31. That's four weeks and uh, three days. Day number 31. If you forgot to count last night, make sure to do so sometime today. Day number 31 in the counting of the Omer. <laughs> I got to get some rest before this weekend. I've got the um, honor of hosting tomorrow night's Hatzalathon. And I do consider it an amazing honor. Hatzalathon is tomorrow night. Uh, then Friday morning, a five-hour JM in the AM, including the live music with Avram Rosenblum and company. It's going to be amazing and incredible. Doing it from the Arts Girls Studios in Rahway, New Jersey, with Kolra Multimedia, Hanania Kramer and his team. And um, if you'd like to sponsor the event and come down and enjoy the entire scene, go to fjbunity.org. There'll be a full breakfast. There'll be an 810 Shachris. Whole bunch of stuff happening there, and um, we're really looking forward to just a wonderful and remarkable morning on Friday. Those of you in Israel, you get to watch between one and six p.m., which is pretty cool, right before Shabbos. Uh, everything on Facebook Live, Instagram Live. Make sure you're following us, Nachum Siegel Network. Obviously, it'll be on our website, NachumSiegel.com. Um, trying to think what else. Obviously, the audio on our on our app and on our network, and uh, it's going to be pretty amazing. By the way, today I don't know why I was announcing eight o'clock at seven thirty-five this morning. Seven thirty-five this morning, Sherry Mandel. Seven thirty-five this morning, Sherry Mandel. She's got a brand new book, and I am anxious to speak with her about it. Um, we'll speak with her coming up at 735 right here at JMNAM. 53 degrees, 78% humidity, winds in north at 2 miles an hour. Sun and clouds today, maybe a thunderstorm and a high of 81. Then clouds tonight, low 64. And then tomorrow, some showers and a high of 74 degrees. Yerushalayim is at 77. We're at 53 here in New York City. As we say uh, good morning here at JMNAM. I want to thank everybody who's helping make a... Uh, a dream come true this coming Friday for our live music extravaganza. A big thank you to our friends at Mizrahi, the RZA, Religious Zionists of America. They are the presenting sponsor of our show this coming Friday. Uh, thank you to Yatar, uh, an organization that we're going to be hearing more about this Friday. 
Big thank you to our chairman, Steve Adelsberg and family. And uh, Steve's supposed to call in later today. We'll hear from him. Also try to speak to Alvin Rosenblum today as well. Our New Jersey chair, Ralph Rosenbaum and his family. Uh, I want to thank Tamari Yitzhak Rosenthal. We want to thank um, as Cheryl and Dr. Mendy Markowitz and uh, my in-laws, Gail and Itzy Weintraub. They've donated in uh, in um, honor of the memory, an honored memory of uh, Evelyn Booby Leader, whose yard site is on Lagba Omer. A big thank you to our friends Frida and Yogi Lashinsky, uh, Betty and Morris Esses, Naftali Solomon and his family, and of course the 718 Insurance family, and Ronnie and Larry Birnbaum at J Drugs and all their stores in Brooklyn, New York, where they are distributing and, uh, or I should say, giving the COVID vaccine and immunizing people every single day as a community service. Kolakavo to Ronnie and Larry and everybody I just mentioned on that list sponsoring our broadcast this coming Friday morning. And we thank them tremendously. It is going to be quite a show. I hope you'll enjoy all of it, the radio show aspect of it, the live music aspect of it. It's going to be quite a way to celebrate uh, Lagba Omer. Feel free to comment on the app. Go to the NSN, Nahum Single Network app for Android and iPhone, and comment away. Listener Tikva has already commented this morning, and I thank her very, very much. I told you about Sherry Mandel. She'll be joining us. About the 7.35 this morning right here at JM in the AM. From Israel. She's got the brand new book. And she's had quite a uh, quite a stretch of time um, before, during, and after the murder of her son by Arab terrorists. Just around this time. Uh, they were collecting... Oh, in fact, I believe yesterday was the art site, if I'm not mistaken. I believe she had written to me. Let me see what she wrote to me. Because originally, uh, I think she and I were toying with the idea of her joining me on the air during the yard site. And um, yeah, April 27th, yesterday, was the actual yard site of Kobe Mandel. So then after that uh, revelation, we decided to uh, move the conversation and have it today on the 28th of April. So she's literally coming off of the art site of her son. So we'll speak to her in the 7 o'clock hour here at JM in the AM. Uh, thanks so much for tuning in. Do, do want to remind everybody that our friends at Joma have a whole bunch of information online about the COVID-19 vaccine. They have, um, they have these live virtual town halls uh, on video, which you could find on their website. Uh, they also have – you can also go to vaxfax.live, V-A-X – F-A-C-T-S dot live. Uh, they also have a town hall, or I should say a video on on the topic of I have antibodies, do I need to vaccinate? Uh, they have one on COVID-19 and you, for you, your family, and your future. They have one for college teachers, doulas, and mikvah attendants. They have one for healthcare professionals. So they've done a lot of specialty events over at JOMA. Uh, so check it out, joma.org or vaxfax.com, as I said. Oh, no, vaxfax.live, rather, vaxfax.live. Uh, for information about uh, those videos and the information that's available online. Um, yeah, online for the uh, for those looking for more information about the COVID-19 vaccine. JM in the AM, 13 minutes before 7 o'clock. <laughs>
השם רואי לא אחסר, בנאות דשא ירביצני, על מי מנוחות ינהלני. נפשי ישובב ינחני, במעג לצדק למען שמו, גם כי אלך בגיץ על מוות לא ירע. כי אתה עימדי. שבטך ומשענתך, המה ינחמוני. תערוך לפני שולחן נגד צורי, נשענת בשמן ראשי, כוסי רוויה, אך טוב החסד ירדפוני. ימי חיי, ושבתי בבית השם לאורך ימים. לאורך ימים. 
מזמור לדוד, השם רואי לא יחסר, בנאות דשא ירביצני, על מי מנוחות ינעלני. נפשי ישובב ינחני, במג לצדק למען שמו, גם כי ילך בגי צלמוות. לא ירא כי אתה עמדי תנאי נאנאי 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 תנאי נאנאי המה ינחמוני, תערוך לפניי שולחן נגד צורריי, נשנת בשמן ראשי, כוסי רוויה, אך טוב החסד ירדפוני, כל ימי חיי, ושבתי בבית השם לאורך ימים. לאורך ימים, JM in the AM Yosef Karduner Ms. Marla David Barogas before that Hatachiana was from Avrami Flam This is America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program Heard on listeners sponsored Digital radio around the world, the web, and AlchemSigil.com, and then AlchemSigil Network, and of course, in the beloved NSNF. Guys, it's all in the background. Our news from Israel coming up. It's Wednesday, day 31 in the counting of the Omer. If you forgot to count last night, make sure to do so sometime today. Hmm. Interesting programming over there, to say the least. 53 degrees, some sun, some clouds, maybe a thunderstorm, high of 81. Woo-hoo, 77 in Yerushalayim, 53 here in New York City. Sherry Mandel coming up this hour. Brand new book here at JM in the AM. Galay Tzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast next at JM in the AM. Galay Tzal, Yerushalayim, Asha'a 2, Shalom Rav, Ba'ulpan Ran Yavnai, Yimah Shekore Akshav. הדרמה סביב מינוי שר המשפטים, ראש הממשלה נתניהו חזר בו ממינוי אקוניס והודיע כי יושב ראש כחול לבן גנץ ימונה לשר המשפטים בממשלת המעבר. 
מדווחת כתבתנו המדינית מוריה אסרף וולברג. אחרי שבועות ארוכים של התנגדות ותרגילים, נתניהו מודיע לפני שעה קלה לבג"ץ, אני מסכים למנות את גנץ לתפקיד שר המשפטים. השרים צפויים להצביע על כך בקרוב במשאל טלפוני. זאת כזכור, אחרי שאתמול, כפי שפרסמנו, נתניהו העלה לדיון בממשלה את מינויו של השר אקוניס לתפקיד, זאת בניגוד לכללי הפריטטיות. הדיון שהיה אמור להיערך בסוגיה בבג"ץ מתייתר. השרה פנינה תמנו שטה מכחול לבן הגיבה אצל אמיר איבגי על החלטתו של נתניהו לאשר את מינויו של גנץ. זה מדהים. אולי צריך לקחת את כל המדינה לסחרור ולכאוס. זה מוטב שהדבר הזה היה נעשה כבר בראשון לאפריל. זה לא היה צריך להיות במעורבות של בג"ץ, אבל בג"ץ הוא שומר סף. אין ספק בכלל שצריך להיות כאן שר משפטים גם על פי חוק היסוד וממשלת החליפים, ואני מקווה מאוד שכבר עכשיו תתכנס הממשלה. נתניהו הבין שהוא הלך צעד אחד רחוק מדי. 16 חודשי מאסר נגזרו על אביבה דהן, גננת מתעללת מגן מתוק בגבעתיים, שהורשעה ביותר מעשרה סעיפי תקיפת קטינים. בגזר הדין כתבה שופטת השלום בתל אביב נועה תבור, כי עד היום הנאשמת לא גילתה והבינה את חומרת המעשים, אותם הגדירה תיאורים שהדת לא יכולה לתאר. איילת, אם ילדה שעברה התעללות בגן, שוחחה עם יעל דן בגלי צו. אני אומנם מברכת שאביבה הולכת לכלב, אבל צר לי שלא מוצא איתה הדין. צריך כן לתת גזר דין יותר גדול למען יראו וייראו. אם היינו במדינה מתוקנת, היינו שולחים גננות לכמה שנים. אביבה נתנה לה מכות בראש. היא זרקה אותה על המזרן, היא דחפה אותה מהגב אל מזרן אחר. זה ממש מסכת התעללויות. מוסיף להיות אנוש מצבו של איציק סעידיאן, לוחם צה"ל לשעבר שהצית עצמו לפני שבועיים. מול משרדי אגף השיקום במשרד הביטחון. הבוקר הוא עבר ניתוח נוסף לאחר שהצליחו לייצב את מצבו. לאה סעידיאן, אחותו של איציק, הגיבה ביומן הצהריים על תחקיר האירוע שפרסם אתמול משרד הביטחון, ואמרה, הגיע הזמן לשינוי במדיניות. זה מנוהל כל כך לא נכון, שהכל צריך מההתחלה, ממש, לבדוק את כמויות המטופלים מול העובדות הסוציאליות. ולהתחיל את השינוי, כי אני מרגישה שהעם בוער עכשיו. יש בנו הרבה הרבה פחד שיקרה משהו. אז בבקשה, תמנעו את זה. תמנעו את איציק הבא. כתב אישום בגין אונס נערה בת 16 הוגש נגד פלסטיני תושב יהודה ושומרון. מדווח כתבנו בן נצר. על פי כתב האישום, הנאשם פלסטיני בן 20 פגש בקטינה בת ה-16 סמוך לביתה בעמק חפר. היא ניסתה להתרחק ממנו והוא בתגובה רדף אחריה, חנק אותה וגרר אותה לשדה סמוך, שם תקף ואנס אותה. בכתב האישום נכתב כי מדובר באדם מסוכן אשר לא שלט בדחפיו המיניים, ובפרקליטות יבקשו לעצור אותו עד לתום ההליכים. מזג האוויר מחר עוד עלייה בטמפרטורות. אלה החדשות שעורך רועי ולד.
every day. Fields of grain, drops of rain. What are they trying to say? Thank you. 
Brand new Benny Friedman, Emeshkachech, and before that, Abishter here at JM in the AM. Unbelievable uh, uh, selections in the brand new acapella album, Whispers of the Heart. Really, really good. JM in the AM, good morning. Day 31 in the counting of the Omer. If you're as good at math as I am, you will uh, likely calculate that we're two days away from our <laughs> JM in the AM. Lagba Omer extravaganza. Avram Rosenblum scheduled for the 8 o'clock hour. Steve Edelsberg, our chairman, is scheduled for the 8 o'clock hour. Um, we'll speak to them coming up. Please, God. Sherry Mandel later this hour, about 15 minutes from now. Sherry Mandel, author of the book Reaching for Comfort. She's scheduled to join us here. Um, here at JM in the AM. That'll be coming up. Her book is uh, quite fascinating. Lots to talk about. This portion of NSN programming brought to you by our friends at A&H. Abel's and Hyman Kosher Hot Dog Sausage and Deli is the world's best, serving the kosher world since 1954. Available at Better Kosher Supermarkets Nationwide. Try A&H today. Also, a reminder from our friends at Partners in Torah, those of you out there who uh, think you can't be a mentor, 
and study with someone one hour a week to get them closer to our tradition and heritage, you are wrong. You'd be a great candidate. How do I know? Well, I just know. The Partners in Torah people continue to remind me. Uh, go to partnersintorah.org, partnersintorah.org, or 1-800-STUDY-42, 1-800-STUDY, the number four, and then the number two. More from Benny Friedman, Wednesday, day 31 of the Counting of the Omer. It's JM in the AM. Sane ori, mi core 
J.M. in the A.M. J.M. in the A.M. Ovadia Hamama with that selection here at uh, J.M. in the A.M. Uh, called Eretz Yisrael. Sherry Mandel is going to join us coming up here at J.M. in the A.M. She's author of the brand new book, Reaching for Comfort. We'll speak with her in a couple of minutes. Always an honor to welcome her to these airwaves, and we'll have her on in just a couple of minutes. Day 31 in the counting of the Omer. If you forgot to count last night, make sure to do so sometime today. Rabbi David Goldwasser's words, 
Zechonishmas Esther Basar Bissavalevi. Here is Rabbi David Goldwasser with Morning Chizuk. Good morning. We learn in the Talmud, Hillel, Mechaev Esaniyim. Hillel was the one that will obligate all the poor. Rebelozer ben Kharsom, Mechaev Esashirim. Rebelozer is the one that's going to obligate all the wealthy. Yosef, Mechaev Esashoyim. And Yosef is the one that will obligate all of the evil. The Mephoshim asks the question, how is it possible to tell an Ani, a poor man who is down, who's just barely keeping his head above water, why aren't you like Hillel? How is it possible to tell the usher, the one who is completely involved in business, why aren't you like Rebbe Loza ben Kharsom? And how can you tell the Russia, who's running after his desires all day long, why aren't you like Yosef HaTzadik? There are many different answers. However, Hagoin Reb Aaron Leib Steinman says the following, The question is not on the Gemara. The question is on us. We wonder how we can bring the Raya, the proof from Hillel. But in truth, each one of us can withstand the Nisayon, a challenge, and be successful. If only we learn, Lehismodeid mol hakushim, to deal with the challenge, the difficulties in life, we would be successful. The problem is that sometimes we give up right away and don't deal with the Nisayun, with the challenge. If a person would be offered half a day's pay to learn Torah, the individual would have difficulty with it. What did Hillel do? We should never be miyayish, never to give up. We should learn from Hillel not to give up. If there's a Nisayun, we have to consider how is it possible that we could see our way clear, that we could stand to the challenge. Do we think that it was easy for Hillel? He had to give half a coin to the Shomer in order to gain entry to the base Medrash. Could a person go hungry, Chas Shalom, to learn Torah? Could he lie down on the skylight with the cold whipping at him, being covered with a layer of snow? Certainly, it would be difficult. The individual who goes with all of his ratzon, all their desires, against all the negativities in life, will be able to be miskaber and grow to great heights. The individual who's miyayish from the outset, who gives up, will not gain anything. That is what Rav Steinman wished to tell us all, that each of us has the explosive potential, the acholos, to do all that we need in order to meet the challenges in life. In the schus of the great Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, may all of us have success, not only in meeting the challenges of life, but success materially and spiritually in all that we do. This has been Rabbi David Goldwasser, bringing you morning chizik. Have a nice day. J.M. in the A.M. Wednesday on day 31 in the counting of the Omer. If you forgot to count last night, make sure to do so sometime. Today, our J.M. the A.M. live music extravaganza is this coming Friday. Uh, when we broadcast from the Arts Girl Studios in Rahway, New Jersey, a five-hour J.M. in the A.M. available to the entire world on Facebook Live, on Instagram Live, on our website at NahumSiegel.com. Of course, audio on our NSN app and many other platforms. It's a five-hour special starring Avram Rosenblum and the Diasperados. Uh, <laughs> which is a ma- an amazing name. We hope to speak to him later on this morning here at JMNAM. And a big thank you to everybody making it possible. Our presenting sponsor, Mizrahi, Religious Zionists of America, RZA. 
Uh, our thanks to the Atar organization. Our thanks to our chairman, Steve Adelsberg and family. Our thanks to our New Jersey chair, Ralph Rosenbaum and family. Tamari Yitzhak Rosenthal, uh, Cheryl and Dr. Mendy Markowitz, and Gail and Itzy Weintraub, who are sponsoring in memory of uh, Chava Basra Shlomo, uh, Evelyn Leader, whose yard site is on the uh, day of Lagba Omer, Betty and Morris Esses, Naftali Solomon and family, and the 718 Insurance family, and of course, Ronnie and Larry Birnbaum, J Drugs, all three stores giving out the COVID vaccine and immunizing people every day as a community service. Regards to all three of the stores under the umbrella of J Drugs, and thank you to Ronnie. And Larry Birnbaum, lots of people to thank, and it'll be an amazing show. Live music begins about 7.15, 7.30 in that slot on Friday morning. We'll hit the airwaves at 6, and we'll go all the way until close to 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 p.m. in Israel. Make sure to be tuned in. Sherry Mandel is with us live via telephone. It is always an honor to welcome her to JM in the AM. She is author of a brand-new book, Reaching for Comfort. What I saw, what I learned, and how I blew it, training as a pastoral counselor. In 2009, Sherry Mandel won the National Jewish Book Award for the Blessing of a Broken Heart, which told of her grief an initial morning after her 13-year-old son, Kobe, was brutally murdered. Years later, with her pain still undiminished, Sherry trained to help others as a pastoral counselor, um, one of the first in Israel's hospitals. Her latest book offers 22 vignettes describing her interaction with terminal patients and their families in two Jerusalem hospitals with a stirring mix of curiosity, candor, compassion, and humor that throws fresh and unexpected light on one of the most ubiquitous literary genres, the terminal ward. By the way, folks, I read it. I cannot recommend it highly enough. Uh, Before we introduce Sherry, I remind everybody that Kobe's yard site was yesterday. Many of us who remember that era remember that it was Lagba Omer related, uh, right around Lagba Omer, and sure enough, the uh, yard site was yesterday. And to Sherry writes, on May 8th of 2001, 20 years ago, my 13-year-old son Kobe cut school and went hiking with his friend Yosef Ishran in a canyon near our home in Israel. Terrorists trapped the two eighth grade boys in a cave and beat them to death with rocks. The murderers smeared the boy's blood on the walls of the cave. This was, for those of you who don't remember, one of the terror attacks in Israel that in so many ways affected and uh, really uh, agonized the collective Jewish heart around the world. And I'm sure that's something that Sherry can confirm because she remembers the reaction from the world uh, to the brutal death of her son. Sherry Mandel, author of Reaching for Comfort, an honor to welcome you back to JM in the AM. Thank you. It's great to speak to you again. I appreciate that. Um, so much has changed over the last 20 years. The first time you were in my studio, which was about the first book and recounting the tale of um, uh, the murder of, of Kobe, uh, at that point I've never, I had never observed the yard site, and now each year I observe three for my parents and brother and yesterday was the yard site of your son, Kobe. And and for me, yard site is always a very unusual day. Do you feel the same way? You know, I always look for signs, and I kind of gave up looking for signs. And then yesterday I went swimming, I went to the pool, and this is a crazy story. <laughs> I came out, and I couldn't find my clothes. And I was going... From the, from the pool 
to the cemetery. And it turned out that somebody had moved my clothes. Uh, you know, it's Israeli. It's like chutzpah. They, they thought <laughs> that they, they wanted more room. That's what somebody told me. She heard that the cleaner told her somebody wanted more room, so they moved my clothes. And I was really, like, pissed off because I'm like, what kind of chutzpah? And then I realized it was like a Kobe moment because he loved to, like, be mischievous. And it was, like, really, like, flipped the whole, mo- you know, that whole moment. So I feel like that's, today I was thinking that was my Kobe moment. As, for as strange as it sounds, I know exactly what you're talking about. Lots of weird things seems to ha- seem to happen on, on days of a yard site. What, what was it like going to the cemetery after that? Um, well, you know, I went with my kids and my grandchildren, so... It's always horrible, but I, I think I have um, anticipatory grief toward the yurt site because once Yom Hazikaron starts, right. which is like a week and a half before the yurt site, I kind of fall apart emotionally. And so when it, when it finally became the day of the yurt site, it's almost like a relief. So also my, my children spoke, and they spoke what, about what it was like for them, and my daughter-in-law also spoke. So it was really beautiful that they are kind of taking ownership of this tragedy. And I didn't really have to speak except to thank people. Is it hard to think where he would be up to in life at this point? Is that is that something you try to avoid or you think about it all the time? No, I, I you know, I always thought he would be a lawyer or a judge because, you know, he was the oldest and he always argued for everybody. And sometimes I would say to him, you know, Kobe, when you're older and you're a judge or a lawyer, you can you can make that claim to the judge, but here it's not going to fly. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I try not to think about it, really. You know, um, close to 20 years ago, I mean, the book came out, obviously, a couple of years after he was murdered, uh, your first book. Uh, there, there are things I still remember that from that conversation. I did not go back to the archives to, to listen to it. Uh, there are things I actually remember from that conversation that really made a profound impact on me, and I'm sure the audience. And one of the things was moving on, how minutes or hours after this tragedy, there are things that happen. In that case, you were telling us about you know other children being hungry on the way to the, to, to the, to the cemetery to actually bury him. Uh, you know, you get thrown into the you know the, the regular routine of life there is a necessity and obviously I'm, I'm i'm citing a drastic example uh but days weeks months years later you know there's always this important concept of, of trying to move on and uh and that made a profound impact on me just realizing how one how one has to rebound from a tragedy even though it's always with you even though the pain never seems uh to go away maybe it's a little more dull but it doesn't seem to go away. I have to assume that that attitude and your whole philosophy uh, is very helpful when trying to counsel people who are going through the situations that you describe in your book, people who are relatives of or they themselves are terminally ill patients. Yeah, well, first of all, I think you don't move on. I think that's kind of a mis- misnomer for, for tragedy, that you move with. Like, you, you do continue, but you bring that person with you. Um, I think as a pastoral counselor or even somebody who visits the sick, that it's what, what I learned was just to be quiet 
and to be present and also not to be afraid of silence, which we're all really afraid of. Mm-hmm. And to just let that space open up and also to let what's going to happen in the room, you know, occur so that it's not scripted. You know, that's kind of why I didn't really write this in the book, but I, I would pray before I went into the room right. to let what what to let what's right to happen or what needs to happen happen. You know, I remember you telling us, uh, and I and I've used this this uh, both as someone who has you know during shiva and paying shiva calls that the most important thing is that you're there. The most important thing is that people realize you've made the effort and you were there. You know, in their time of need, the conversation is not nearly as important. Yeah, no, because words become very cheap during a shiva. You know, like it's just like. Sometimes I go to a shiva and it pains me because people are just talking about ordinary things. Or, you know, it's okay to talk about the person who died or to bring Torah, but I I think it's like, you know, it's a holy week. So it's really important to to respect the holiness of, of death and of life, mostly of life. Sherry Mandel's with us. Book is called Reaching for Comfort. I'm highly recommending it. Um... Would you be in this line of work or line of volunteerism if not for the tragedy? Did you did you have trouble convincing yourself, somebody who has been through what you've been through, that maybe it would not be the best thing for you to be hanging out in a terminal hospital environment? Um, well, my mother tried to talk me out of it, <laughs> but well, not not everybody was terminal. But, you know, my second hospital I worked with, they were in vegetative state. Right. So it was mostly with the families. And and that was a really, really difficult experience. But I, I think, you know, going to the hospital and learning pastoral counseling, I think I needed to be with people whose lives were disrupted because I felt mm. I was always looking for some wisdom on suffering that they could offer me. You know, I felt like there was some truth there that I needed to observe. Interesting. I um, when when you put yourself in this type of situation, you meet people of all backgrounds, people of all faiths. Those of us who uh, who who think that you know, in Israel, you walk into a hospital and only meet Jews or Israelis, that would not be accurate. And you meet people in, you know, in, in many different types of situations. Uh, the first thing I have to ask you is knowing who's responsible or the background of who's responsible for your son's murder. And now you're in a position where you've made a commitment to offer comfort and counseling to people of all faiths. Does that sometimes become difficult when you realize that some of those people are from the same background as the killers. Yeah, that was an issue for me. And in fact, my teachers told me that, you know, I didn't have to work with um, Palestinian, with Arab patients. And at first I didn't, but then I started working with them. And actually in the hospital, in um, the second hospital, I worked in the children's ward where the children were in vegetative states. And I worked with an Arab woman a young Arab woman, the mother. And we didn't have a common language because she didn't speak Hebrew and um, I didn't speak Arabic and she didn't speak English. 
And we just bonded somehow, and we would just hug and cry. And for me, it was a really important healing because I felt like, you know, I, I blame the killers, but I don't blame an entire population of Arabs. Understood. Sherry Mandel's with us. The book is Reaching for Comfort. Um, isn't it amazing? And and again, uh, <laughs> for a lot of people, they would think they could do this naturally, or they think they have common sense, and therefore they could walk into a hospital room and 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 act properly um, when it comes to trying to offer comfort to people in these situations. But I, I would bet that when you went for professional training, the course of study probably was amazing. You know, many things that you were taught that you never considered, or st- strategies that you you know, had had never even thought about. My point being that, you know, th- there's nothing like formal training. And even in this, where, where people think that, that good common sense and good, you know, desire to be there for somebody else is enough, uh, the actual course of study is very rewarding. Well, it was mostly learning about ourselves because we all have, like, programmed responses or things that somebody says to us that will hurt us and that they lie sort of below consciousness. And the, the course was really about making ourselves aware of our inner dialogue so that we could kind of empty ourselves in a way to be there for the other person. Because a lot of people, when they visit, they want to give advice, they want to cheer you up. And that's not always what's, what's the most important thing. You know, lots of times it's just listening to somebody else's pain. Right. Most of us want to hear somebody else's pain but when you give people that platform it when you when you accept them when you accept their pain then sometimes they can heal or they can heal emotionally because they they feel recognized more than once in the book you start a vignette uh, by by saying you were hesitant to walk into a room or you started to walk into a room and you just got the feeling that because something like a test or a procedure was going on you know maybe you should leave and then the relatives or the person themselves tell you, no, no, please come in. Why do you think they're inviting you in? Why, why do you think a total stranger is important for them to walk in at that point? Um, I think because people, they feel things. You know, it's like we were like not, it's like visual clues more than what somebody says. And I, I think maybe they felt that I was somebody they could trust. Also, because in my Hebrew, is, which is not great, I couldn't talk that much. So, like, I could be there. It was much easier for me to listen. You know, and I, I had, I was like a different person in Hebrew then. So I felt maybe they just needed that different point of view or somebody to contain what was going on in that room. Because every room has a drama. You know, sometimes yep. it's just to witness that drama yep. and to be... To be able to receive it in a way. Um, sometimes you'll walk into a room, and I thought I think this strategy is just brilliant, and and it's something I have to remember, frankly. And I think anybody who takes visiting the sick seriously should remember. Uh, it, it sounds like you purposely tried to guide conversation when there was conversation, not to tell me, meaning you in this case, not to tell me about the person lying in that bed. Tell me about the person before they were lying in that bed. You know what I mean? Tell me about their life, your your memories, what you remember most about them, holiday time, other time. 
And, and it seems like that could be so comforting to those who are sitting there 24 hours a day with their relative. Yeah, because you're making the person live again. And also, when you, you know, like when I would walk into that room, I would just be somebody who was frail most of the time and weak. And when you give the family a chance or even the person a chance to talk about who they are, you know, they're, they're still that person, even if their body has changed right. inside there. And they still have a strong neshama and they still have strong memories. So it, it's, vi- it's vitality. It's vital. Is that a word? Vitalizing? Yeah, I th- I, or, or, or revitalizing, maybe. I, I, I think you have a, I, I think you have a, you have a, you have a story in there with it where a patient actually identified with the disease, right? Like they were the disease. You, you, I don't know. Oh you... yeah, yeah. He didn't want to talk to me because he had he had a disease and he he couldn't eat what he wanted to eat, and he he basically said to me, "I I am Crohn's disease." Right. You know, I have Crohn's disease. But it also depends when you meet the person. It's like, I'm sure if I had met him further along in his process, he might have had a different viewpoint. You'd think you'd be in this line of work if uh, if not for your experience 20 years ago? Uh, well, you know, when I was young, I volunteered in the hospital and as a candy striper. So I hmm. think I always had a feeling for other people's pain. But I don't think I would have been in the hospital without going through what I went through with Kobe. First of all, I mean, without my son's murder. First of all, I wouldn't have had the courage to do it in Hebrew. Mm. Um, and after Kobe's murder, I just did a lot of things because I thought, you know, I can do this. I've, I've done, I've, I went through something so hard. This, this just can't be so hard. And also, I felt like I had something to give because I had an understanding of what it was like to suffer. Did you feel, like I said earlier, that the collective Jewish heart around the world was in pain after the uh, news of Kobe's uh, murder? Yes, I felt that very strongly because people were in touch with us and people wanted to help us with the foundation. And they, they I, I felt that people just were torn apart by Kobe's murder all over the world. Yeah, no question about it. What, what's the status of the Kobe Mandel Foundation, especially now with the the pandemic? Has that curtailed activities? Yes, of course. It, yeah, I mean, we've had so many segers in Israel. Thank God now we're opening up. Right. And please God, we'll have a camp this summer. But we continue. And last summer we had camp in a car that went around to kids. <laughs> and we have a lot of We have lots of groups on Zoom. And we're still continuing. So anybody who wants to contribute can go online at kobemandel.org and contribute. That would be great. We also mentioned, of course, that um, he was with Yosef Ishran when he was murdered. They were both murdered by terrorists. Not suggesting that it's a requirement. I'm just curious if you, if your families are in touch. Oh, yeah. we go. I mean, I just, Rena came to the York site and we, we went to theirs and we we spend time together. Yeah, we're very close. Even though we're totally like different, we have such different backgrounds. But there's, of course, we're so connected from this murder. It's but it's like we're in laws somehow, you know, like married in death. Yeah, kind of morbid. That's, um, that's an understatement. Um, and, and twenty years later, you're even even I would say in the generations after mine, you're still known as Kobe's mom, right? 
Well, actually, 20 years is a long time. So I I think people are starting to forget or they were born, you know, they weren't born or they were just too young. So a lot of people now don't know the story of Kobe, even in Tacoa, where I live, because we were a very small community. And now we're a large community, and most of the newcomers are in their 30s. So they don't necessarily know Kobe's story. So actually, we're doing a memorial event where we're going to go for a hike in the Wadi um, a week from Friday. Wow. Because I just think it's it's important for Tacoa people to know what happened here and to know the history. Yeah, no question about it. Uh, certain areas of Israel, if not all areas of Israel, were built on Jewish blood. And uh, and it's an important reminder, actually, for everybody, not just the Koa residents, but everybody, about the sacrifice that so many families have made in order for there to be a Jewish presence, uh, both in your area and so many other areas of Israel. Um, and, and I wonder if that is at all comforting. You write in the book about... Um, you have something in one of the stories, and I apologize, I read this a few days ago. You have something about, uh, you know, the, the question of wasted life. I, I believe the young man was in a car accident or some type of accident, and, you know, that hovers over you. I mean, knowing that your son was killed, Al-Kidush Hashem, does that at all um, make it more meaningful and less wasteful? Well, I think it makes it more meaningful, for sure. And also, the the thing that that woman said to me, her son died for nothing. Right. And to me, that is such a painful statement. He died for nothing. Right. And I feel like everything that Seth and I, that my husband and I did, was to make sure that Kobe's death wasn't for nothing. Right. So, yes, it's Kibber Shachem, but it, it also, I you know, when I speak, I always say, Kobe, you know, he came to Israel, and he loved being Jewish, and he loved Israel. And when people ask what you what they can do, I always say, you know, put Judaism and Israel in the center of your life. Right. And then, you know, then Kobe didn't die for nothing. He he died for something, and he died believing in in Israel, and proud of living here. And and loving it. Look what he was doing on the last day of his life. He was loving the land. Yeah. The you know we did a song. It's on YouTube um, for Kobe on Yom Hazikaron. And it's filmed in the Wadi, in the canyon. And that canyon is one of the most beautiful places in Israel. And when we go down, I mean, we don't go down that much because it's too painful. But when we do go down to that cave, it's very ironic or paradoxical because there's such beauty there. And then, you know, there's such pain in that cave. I can only imagine. And he'd rather be... (laughs) He'd, he'd rather be hiking the land than be in school. <laughs> yeah. Because of, yeah. because of his love for Eretz Yisrael, even in the, uh, at that age. Sherry Mendel, yeah. by, by, um, by the way, I have to, I mean, it's a short book, you know, I, and I say that only because sometimes that encourages people even more to pick it up. Uh, but the, the yeah. stories are remarkable. I mean, you have so many incredible experiences. And again, through your eyes and through your experience, it, it just becomes so much more meaningful. And I... Uh, you know, the power of listening, you, you, you're so good at transmitting to us through this book what the power of listening is all about. So many of us don't listen. And it's just so vital, especially in those situations, to listen and to let people express themselves and to drift from sadness to joy in a five-minute conversation. You've seen that. You write about it, how people are all depressed and you know focused in the now, and then they 
you know, go back and talk a little bit about, you know, the person and who they were and what Purim was like with them and what, you know, holidays were like with them. And, and all of a sudden, five minutes later, it's a completely different attitude. Must be an amazing feeling having right. having that ability to do that and understanding how important the uh, the ability to listen is all about. So uh, all I could say is, like I said earlier, Sherry, I'm highly recommending the book. It's a it's somewhat of a life changer, like your first book was, and um, and I hope everyone gets it. Uh, it's called Reaching for Comfort, everybody. Reaching for Comfort. What I saw, what I learned, and how I blew it. And I, by the way, I'm not so sure I'd agree with everything in the blew it category. <laughs> but, yeah, you know, that's what my sister said too. Yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> you, there are some you know funny twists and turns that that might suggest you know that that you could have said or done things a little differently. But I don't know if I'd totally agree with that. But anyway, it's certainly it's certainly an eye catching line. How I blew it, uh, training as a pastoral counselor, Sherry. Where do people get the book? On Amazon. Or a book depository here in Israel. Simple and as that. I just have to say, yeah, actually one other thing, because sure. Becky Aaron Price, she did an audible version of The Blessing of a Broken Heart. So if anybody likes listening to books, there's now a new version of it, The Blessing of a Broken Heart there, on Audible. All right, Audible, uh, Blessing of a Broken Heart, that's the original book that we've been talking about from Sherry Mandel. This one is called Reaching for Comfort. Reaching for Comfort, it's on Amazon, all your usual online uh, major book locations and again we are highly recommending it you will find it fascinating one story after another uh kobe mandel foundation to search it online everybody give generously keep them going they will have a camp this summer and 20 years later they're doing amazing work and that's a big big tribute to sherry and rabbi seth mandel uh for the way that they have memorialized kobe in that unique and incredible fashion reaching thousands over the years uh sherry i i can't thank you enough for joining us mazal tov on the book uh and thank you thank, thank, you, you. thank you for all the lessons we've learned from it already okay it's great to talk to you have a good day you as well appreciate that very much sherry mandel a uh, kobe's yard site was yesterday she joined us today the brand new book is reaching for comfort kobe's gone 20 years but she has uh developed an incredible strength and an amazing way to reach out both through the book and through so many other methods to the Jewish world with important lessons. And I, I, again, I'm highly recommending this book. Get it, get it. It's a, uh, it, it's an easy read, but so meaningful and so deep and boy, a lot of important lessons for those of us who like, uh, performing the mitzvah of visiting the sick. This is America's one and only Jewish Moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners sponsored digital radio around the world the web at NahumSegal.com and the NahumSegal Network and of course on the beloved NSN app.
J.M. in the A.M. That is, uh, what was that? <laughs> L'chaim Choir with Avarachamim here at J.M. in the A.M. Wednesday morning, day 31 in the counting of the Omer. Day number 31. Forgot to count last night. Make sure to do so sometime today. I apologize. We did announce on certain social media platforms that the Sherry Mandel interview would be at 8 o'clock. I don't know how that, I really don't know how that happened, and I apologize. Uh, if you just tuned in, we just concluded the conversation with Sherry Mandel. The book is called Reaching for Comfort. Check out the archive later on, MalcolmSiegel.com, and of course on the NSN app. And my apologies for the uh, mistiming on that one. Uh, don't forget ShopEichlers.com. It's Logbo Omer on Friday. They've got the big Mayron 10% off sale and everything Logbo Omer related. The toys, the puzzles, the play Judaica, the Sfarim, whatever it is that you want to buy for the baby or the, well, for the child, I should say. Uh, and and his siblings, it's all there at ShopEichlers.com. Their big upshare and Mayron sale. Um, and they have same-day delivery to all the different areas we always talk about, New York, New Jersey. So check it out, shopbyclose.com. Get what you need, enjoy the discount, and talk to them about the uh, same delivery. You could actually order it this morning and have it at your work or at your home later today. How insane is that? That's our friends at shopbyclose.com. Uh, day 31 in the counting of the Omer, live music extravaganza this coming Friday. Avram Rosenblum will join us coming up later on. It'll be JM in the AM for five hours. You'll see it on NahumSiegel.com. You'll see it on Facebook Live. You'll see it on Instagram Live. You'll hear it on the NSN app. Um, there'll be a special jam. Avram Rosenblum and his incredible orchestra with Aryeh Kunstler doing the special jam. All of it brought to you by uh, RZA Mizrahi, Religious Zionist of America, and a whole bunch of great sponsors, as I mentioned earlier, and we'll go through them a little later on as well. It's all Friday. Get ready, everybody. If you want to be there in Rahway, New Jersey, if you actually want to be at the event, um, go to J uh, fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org. We welcome sponsorships. Come on down to Rahway, New Jersey. We have an 810 Chakras. We have a full breakfast. And you'll be able to um, enjoy the show. I mean, literally... The whole audience is going to be in a party room about 10 feet away from the studio where this is happening. Band will be uh, with their green screens, green screen studio under the direction of Hanania Kramer and Colro Multimedia. We will be right in a small studio right off of that studio. And then about five feet away from us, there'll be a party room with uh, screens set up and full sound. And you can, just, you can just enjoy the show there, which is so remarkable. So... Uh, fjbunity.org if you want to come down and uh, participate. Our friends at Joma, go to joma.org, Jewish Orthodox Women's Medical Association. They have a bunch of videos online. They're also at vaxfacts.live, vaxfacts.live. Uh, videos on I have antibodies, do I need a vaccine? Videos, uh, COVID-19 and you, for you and your family, for your future. Uh, COVID-19 videos for college teachers, doulas, and mikvah attendants. COVID-19 videos for healthcare professionals. Go to joma.org for information about all of that. Uh, this portion of NSN programming brought to you by our friends at A&H. Enjoy a 10% discount on all Abels and Hyman products at kosherdogs.net with promo code radio. A&H has been serving the kosher world since 1954, and A&H products 
are available at Better Kosher Supermarkets nationwide. Try A&H today. All right. Lots of things happening. Uh, Steve Adelsberg is going to join us. He's scheduled again. Hopefully this time he will be able to join us. Uh, that'll be that'll be uh, later this hour. And Avram Rosenblum, who of course is the uh, lead, the, the founder and lead singer of the Dasbury Shiva Band, and he's put together this incredible super band for Friday. Uh, he'll be joining us coming up as well, encouraging everybody to uh, spread the word around the world that it's going to be an amazing show on Friday. Simple as that. Sheer Soul is next. You're listening to JM in the AM. See you. 
than to come home to a house filled with contentment, with warmth, with peacefulness, to a place where the Shrinah can rest. This is the true Bircha Sabayas.
JM in the AM. Avram Rosenblum is scheduled to join us a few minutes from now. Um, he's, of course, the centerpiece of our live music extravaganza coming up Friday like Bomer. But in order, I mean, it's no secret, in order to put together an event like this, broadcast it around the world, do it right, and um, and to have everything you need, you need some uh, a tremendous visionaries behind it. And in this case... Uh, our visionary, or one of our visionaries, became chairman of this event. That's, of course, Steve Adelsberg. I want to thank he and the entire, I want to thank him and the entire Adelsberg family. Uh, he is serving as chairman of our Lagba Omer extravaganza. He is hoping to be with us at some point Friday morning in Rahway, New Jersey, because we are uh, doing the the um, show from Arts Girl Studios in Rahway, New Jersey. And... Um, he knows what it's like to celebrate Lagba Omer, probably better than all of us because of the opportunities he's had, which we'll discuss in a moment. Uh, but he is excited, as am I, as you've been hearing over the last couple of weeks, about what finally, finally is going to be here Friday, our live music five-hour extravaganza. Steve Adelsberg, chairman of the big event, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you, Nathan, and a good morning to you. You got to tell this audience, and I, I would assume on Log Bomer itself, please God, you'll be with us and we'll have a chance to do it again. You got to tell this audience what Log Bomer is usually like for you. And it must be painful uh, that you're not in Israel this week, but, but let's not concentrate on the negative. Just, just tell everybody the, the experience that you have and how special it is. It's really very simple. When the Rizina, the this is why the Vienna Rebbe has the ability, has the right to light the fire. It goes back to his great-great-grandfather. And the original asked, what was it like to one of the Hasidim to be a Meron? And he said, it's Yom Kippur on the inside, Simchas Torah on the outside. <laughs> and that's what it's like, huh? That's what it's like. So it's, it's, very, like it's, so it's very spiritual, very uplifting. You've had the pleasure and the honor of actually being there, literally on the front line in Meron, in Israel, and all this is happening like Bomer night this year would be Thursday night, and that's how you feel. You feel like you're in tremendous joy because we know it is a big simcha smack in the middle of Sphira, and at the same time, you're feeling tremendous spiritual uplift like one would on Yom Kippur Day. It's uh, it's just, you just feel it. It's there, and you see the people all dancing, you know, in the bleachers in unison, and it's a certain achtos that you feel, and you say, Zu Artenu, Zuartano, Zuartano. Wow. And you feel it, and you feel it. Now, this year, obviously, we know the situation. You know, I, I don't know if you, I, I, you know, I mean, you're likely not going to be there, obviously, uh, uh, this year, travel to Israel. And, I, and, I, and the reason I'm sounding so frustrated is because <laughs> yesterday, the news coming out of Israel <laughs> has made it more frustrating for people out of Israel in terms of future plans of traveling to Israel. But in a typical year, did you notice, you know, the larger crowds year after year? I mean, in other words, if you're doing this, you know, for quite a few log bombers, did, did you notice that, you know, a few years later after you started, the crowds were just much, much larger? It was when we first started going, it was like you used to see people just camped out. You had people with their, they were there for like a week, for weeks, just camping out. They had, they had their generator batteries in their tents. It was it was very it was it was, it was unique. <laughs> I remember back in '96, seven of us, my friends, seven of us, went up to, to Rabbi Nachum Breyer, who's the 
Rebbe was the Rav Shalom, the Rebbe's father, right. and we went there to, to participate to see what it was like. And we went in these light blue jackets, and it said Chasidei, the MMB, Sackett Lake. Here's a <laughs> Rabbi Brayer was our rabbi, and he said, "He's a we were when was like you know the Chasidim of our rabbi from Sackett Lake, Rabbi Brayer." We get up there, and it's a sea of black, of course. And with and like one, someone goes over to the rabbi and asks, "Are these guys your Hasidim?" <laughs> and the rabbi looks at him and he says, "No, no, no, they're my father's Hasidim. These are my friends." Wow! So, so right away, you know, there's a feeling of of, of an office there. I remember early on, you know, there was no there was, was a crowd, but it was never like this. You could get close to the fire and the whole thing. They didn't make it so, you know, so it was much more spread out. And it's funny, and it's funny because when I asked you off the air about you know the people with the wine and the schoolers and the sheep and obviously the the upsharons that are going on, etc., you sort of said to me, you know, all that does go on, but you you felt the spiritual aspect, like the really sincere aspect of the of the whole day and the whole night and day uh, was increasing like crazy over the years. It's it really has, and it's like you know that's irrelevant. Tell tell you the truth. It's kind of irrelevant, and I will tell you, you just get caught up by the moment. Right. And the moment was what you caught is just great. It's just a beautiful moment. It's a beautiful office, and you hear the singing. The singing, you know, Koratanya Elokai, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. You can't. Uh, <laughs> you just get absorbed by it. Steve Adelsberg is with us. When you leave, I'm assuming you leave at some point during the night. Uh, but the impression I get, I've never been there. That's why I'm asking. I know a lot of people listening have never been there. I'm assuming that that as you're leaving and all day long, there's people going in the other direction and heading up to the mountain. Hundred percent. We get in early. We get out early. Right. So, it's, so it works out very nicely. And when you're and, and when you're leaving, you see the throngs going the other way. There's no question about it. No question. And we have stories of the over the years. I can tell you funny stories. You know, getting up there. I usually go with Ralph Dolzich. Right. It's a very big husset of, of the Rebbe. And uh, we have, as I say, it's a very, 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 very spiritual, but yet it's it's memories. It's just memories. And uh, does it hurt not to be there? Yes, but we'll get, to, we'll get this soon enough. Right. I know that, I mean, obviously, the you know, for Americans it's tough, or, or for anybody out of Israel, it's tough to get there now this week. Um, if someone is, then they're likely an exception. But um, you've obviously spoken to everybody in Israel. Do they expect the same number of Israelis to be up on the mountain on the Thursday night and Friday? They say they're opening up, and if they're opening up, people are going. That's talk to people say that I think they're going to go, they're going to go, and like, you know, hey, thank God we could still do these things. <laughs> there was only one year they didn't have a lighting on my road. The one year they didn't have a lighting. I'm trying to think. Was- were they in the middle of a war and they didn't want to call attention yes. to it? 1948. Wow. That's 1948, there was no hadlaka. Wow. Because uh, in, in general, in the entire country, if, if there were lights on, you know, headlights of a car or anything else, you had to make sure to either paint them over, cover them up, or just make sure not to turn lights on. Yeah, I could tell you, Tainachem, is that, you know, back in the day, you know, the original got in a lot of trouble with the Russian czar because he had he bought the right to the land right. and he was able to get it and, and and they caused a lot of problems here were run away from Russia. So I uh, remember my rabbi, Rabbi Pluchuk, was giving a speech. He goes, If you tell me, you know, I think he realized it was more trouble than he bargained for because he had run away from Russia into Austria and always trying to send them back. 
And I said, well, I don't know about that, Rabbi. If you knew 250 years ago, your great great grandson would be lighting and creating your legacy, I think you would be okay with it. Mm. <laughs> it's a lasting, yeah, lasting I, memory. I have a feeling that's 100% accurate, no question about it. Steve Adelsberg's with us. He is, um, the more we get to know Steve, the more we realize that he's Mr. Logbomer. As you hear, he's uh, often Baruch Hashem. In Israel and in Mehron, when the uh, Hadlaka, the actual lighting, begins that night, in this case it would be tomorrow night, actually begins, talking about what happens there. And uh, he's, of course, chairing our event this coming Sunday and will join us, please God, Friday morning. I want to thank you know, Avram Rosenblum is going to join us because Steve has an amazing, amazing insight that he shared with me off the air that I must have him share on the air with Avram, and he's going to call in in a minute or two. I just want to take this opportunity to thank everybody who has demonstrated support and has been enthusiastically supportive of our Friday Lagbomer celebration. It may not be Mayron. There may not be wine, sheep, and uh, and uh, upsharons, but we are going to get together for a great five-hour radio show and a tremendous super band with great music to celebrate. And after this whole acapella couple of weeks, <laughs> as the listener from Charlotte said in an email yesterday, after these couple of weeks of acapella, it's going to be good Friday morning to turn on to turn on uh, the uh, Nahum Single Network, uh, whether you're watching or listening, and and see and hear some great uh, Jewish music, a uh, live Jewish music selection. So I take this opportunity to thank our presenting sponsor, Mizrahi, RZA, the Religious Zionists of America. I want to thank the Atar organization. Uh, we featured their crowdfunding campaign. They're a sponsor of Friday's show. Uh, I want to thank uh, our chairman, of course, Steve Adelsberg and his family, um, serving literally as, you know, at the at the top of the list as a chair of this event. And uh, without their support and enthusiasm, it would be impossible to, to have this event, frankly. I want to thank our New Jersey chair, Ralph Rosenbaum. Ralph and Steve are actually going to meet for the first time on Friday, please God. Uh, you may recall that they were both um, instrumental in our Ron Bloomberg Zoom. Those of you who are baseball fans, you may recall we had a Ron Bloomberg Zoom. Remember that? First Jewish designated hitter. Excuse me, first designated hitter. Happens to be Jewish. Uh, so they'll meet Friday, Bezrat Hashem. I want to thank Cheryl and Dr. Mendy Markowitz and Gail and Itzy Weintraub. They're donating because Lagba Omer, they're sponsoring because Lagba Omer is the 24th yard side of Mrs. Evelyn Leader, Chava Bas Shlomo. Want to thank Frida and Yogi Lashinsky. Want to thank uh, Betty and Morris Esses. Want to thank Naftali Solomon and his family and the 718 Insurance family. And of course, I want to thank Ronnie and Larry Birnbaum. Um, uh, all three of their stores, all three of the J Drug stores, uh, are giving out the, the are giving the COVID vaccine. They're immunizing people every single day as a community service and trying to just get our community and the general community as safe as possible in the. Um, shadow of this pandemic. So to Ronnie and Larry, we thank them for sponsoring a Friday's event as well. And of course, a big thank you to our friends at Arts Grill. We are renting out their studios in Rahway, New Jersey for the event. Uh, Hananya Kramer and Colra Multimedia will be doing all of our live streaming and everything that you would suspect having to do with the um, technical stuff that's going on. And um, Colorum Multimedia. Plus, of course, if you want to sponsor the event now and come down to Rahway and be part of it Friday morning, no problem. Just go to fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org. Details are there, and we'll have a full breakfast. We'll have a minion at 8, 10 in the morning. We are literally 
going to have everything you, you need to enjoy. And also a special word to everybody in Israel. We're talking with Steve about Mehron and Israel. Uh, you know, in the afternoon Friday, it's going to start winding down from a Lag Bomer celebration to preparation for Shabbos. And I don't know if there's a better way to prepare for Shabbos than to have amazing Jewish music permeating in your home uh, on a Friday afternoon. So from 1 until 6, right, Shabbos starts like, I don't know, 6.30, 6.40 in Israel, somewhere maybe later even. Uh, 1 until 6, Israel time. Make sure to be tuned in and enjoy our fabulous Lag Omer Extravaganza. Should be a lot of fun, to say the least. And um, we're looking forward to a great event. Uh, Steve, I'm just waiting for Avram to call in. I, I don't want you to to discuss your observation that you shared with me off the air until he's on. So we'll give him another minute or two to reach us, and then if not, then I'll pass along the message after you uh, discuss it with us. Uh, but uh, I know you want to help me encourage everybody, not just to, to come down to the event and be sponsors, but more importantly, uh, we are anticipating just simply a great show. You're, you're a big fan of great radio shows, and you have a feeling that, that this Friday is simply just going to be a great radio show. It's going to be everyone. Everyone's looking to get out. Yeah, everyone's looking to open the window and scream. Yep, and then we get to <laughs> open our windows and scream Jewish music. Uh, yes, especially after this acapella <laughs> couple of weeks, the transition is going to be one where people do want to escape from that and get back to a quote-unquote regular format. So Friday, everybody, five hours. Make sure to tune in and be with us. Uh, all right. Uh, well, if Avram calls in, we'll certainly include him. You got to tell the audience, Steve Adelsberg, chairman of our event, you got to tell them your observation. I just want to set this, the scene here because a lot of people, obviously, we, all, we do have, thank God, a lot of young people listening. They may not remember the whole diaspora scene in Israel, but before diaspora became this international sensation and people like me became big fans and then they had all their farewell tours and reunion tours and they've been an entity you know, for the last 40 years. 40-plus years, you recall, and again, I'm setting the stage for everybody, that on Saturday nights, on, on a regular basis, they would get up and jam uh, on Hartzion, what they called you know, King David's tomb, and they'd be there in the old city of Jerusalem. And you told me yesterday that there is a special place in modern Jewish history for them, Avraham and the entire group, when you think of Jerusalem after the Six-Day War. Tell us that observation. And it was after the Six-Day War. We didn't—no one knew anything. Then remember, when you went to the old city, if you saw a Pepsi sign, you knew—you weren't afraid, but you knew you were in an Arab section. Yeah. Because Pepsi didn't sell, sell to Israel. Right. Pepsi had the boycott. Right. So we're in this old city. We're all going in there. We take our own walking tours. It was safe and safe could be. You never had any kind of worries. But the spiritualism of the city was brought out by the Diaspora Band. The Ibnu at the Shemba Simcha, you really felt it. You felt the Simcha of having an old city, of being able to go in. It was something we never even thought was going to happen in our lifetime. And they really brought up that spiritualism, that, that the joy of being a Jew in Yerushalayim. That's Amazing. It, was, it, it, it gave us all that, wow, and you go up to Hartzion, you hear them singing, you hear the enthusiasm. He just got caught up in it. And you know what's funny? You mentioned to me, even aside from the music you pointed out, which was also, I thought, brilliant, that in the 70s when we're coming, you know, in the aftermath of the Six-Day War and people are sort of, you know, a little hesitant about our our right, our 
our uh, you know ownership, our you know legacy of the old city of Jerusalem. Diaspora is there, you know, setting down the markers. Diaspora is there saying, hey, guys, we're here. This is ours. And we are going to celebrate, you know, in this area really close to the Temple Mount. And I thought that, I thought that was also a pretty significant statement that people got that feeling that there was a there was some ownership that the Jewish people were exhibiting. It was, a, it was like it was a, it was Shiva Sion. We're coming back. Yeah. And we came and, and, and with the diaspora band, whatever Mosul taught us. Come back to Simcha, because it's a great Simcha. Come back with enthusiasm. This is Yerushalayim. You have to remember, this was 1971, 1970. Yeah. And it was like, you know, hey, only three years after the war, and we're just getting used to it. We're trying to unwrap the treasure that we found. That when, uh, when did you first travel to Israel after the Six-Day War? Do you remember your first trip after the Six-Day War? I sure do. So it, was, it, was, it was 72. It was 72. I remember it was, it was, it was my... Freshman year in college, and I had said to my father, "I like go to Israel." He said, "So would I." <laughs> we went. I went to work and got money together. You went down. You went in a knapsack, and you just you hopped across the country. You slept on the beach. You slept. You know. You, you know. You slept on the beach, and the flies woke you up. Right. But but again, you, 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 but but you, but you felt the ownership. You felt it was yours. Oh, there's no question about oh, it. Amazing. It was such love of land. The first time it was just something it was it was an amazing thing. Your family may have not been to Emerson's Row, who knows for how many generations. Right. But when you came the first step off the plane, and I remember I came off the plane, there was a soldier that was just checking everybody out as you walked by. But I remember saying, Hey, he's one of ours. Yeah. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. We're pining for Israel, folks. The the gap between Israel and the diaspora has widened like crazy over these uh, fifteen months terribly. Terribly. Uh, so we won't be there for Lag Bomer, but uh, we'll try to give you some real Lag Bomer spirit. And uh, and uh, one of the other people that uh, Steve will see on Friday and, and recount all of this will be Avram Rosenblum, of course, who will uh, be leading our entire musical production. Uh, I thank you. I thank you. I thank your family, Steve. And, and we so look forward to Friday. And, uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll wish you a happy early, an early happy Lag Bomer. How's that? Very good. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Steve. Steve Adelsberg, everybody. He's chairman of our big event Friday. He's got a lot of good log bomber. You know, originally, and I don't think he'll mind that I say this, you know, obviously everyone's 50-50 when it comes to going to Israel because, you know, you think you're going, you're not going, they're giving permission, not giving permission, you got to do this, you got to do that. So everyone's, we're 50-50, you know, in terms of next month's trip. So Steve was sort of like 50-50, so we're going through both scenarios. If you're in America, you'll please God join us Friday. And then he said, that if he's in Israel and coming back after the Hadlaka on Thursday night, he hopes to join us uh, straight in the studio in Rahway uh, with a full, you know, eyewitness report, um, which obviously would have been great. But without that, we will uh, certainly uh, relive and uh, conjecture about what it was like uh, in Meron and uh, what Lagba Omer is like for people around the world. It is a, it, it, Steve talked about Simcha. It, it is amazing. Lagba Omer smack in the middle of Sphira. And the transition is remarkable. I mean, there are people who tomorrow night will be gathering together at events with zero music, just mingling a little bit, and then all of a sudden it's going to explode at the proper time and the live music is going to be remarkable. So that's what Log Bomer uh, is certainly all about. Wednesday morning broadcast, JM in the AM. My thanks to uh, Steve Adelsberg, Avram Rosenblum. Uh, I guess he'll join us Friday. Thought he'd be able to call in this morning, but uh, again, he'll join. Uh, I mean, obviously he'll join us Friday. 
And uh, anybody out there who wants to join us Friday or support the event, it's fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org. Just go to the site there, and you'll see uh, the information under sponsorship opportunities. More coming up. It's JM in the AM. You picked me up when I was down. Oh, yes, you did. You turned me on to a brand new sound. Oh, yes, you did. You let the sun shine on my mind. And you made me dance. Taught me joy so I could find that we all get another chance. Bom, 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 bom. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, city of my dreams, city of my dreams. I've been this way some time before, or that's the way it seems. That's the way it seems. I've walked the streets, I have seen your walls, and I've sung your songs, just waiting for the Son of David to come and take us Amen. Amen.
Oh, oh. 
Achenu B'Yisrael and Achim Echem, our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio. Around the world on the web and AlchemSeal.com and the AlchemSeal Network and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. Wraps up an amazing, what is today? Wednesday at JM and the AM. My thanks to Sherry Mandel. What a book. Get it, everybody. Get the book. It is a life changer. It's one of those. It's short and it's amazing. Jam-packed with so many lessons. It's called Reaching for Comfort. Sherry Mandel. My thanks to Steve Adelsberg. He chairs our big event on Friday. Did a little Lagba Omer talk with him. I thank him very, very much. And thanks all of you for tuning in. Have a fabulous Wednesday <laughs> till tomorrow. I know. I, I got to get my days straight. Tomorrow night, I have the privilege and honor of hosting the Hatzalathon. And then Friday, we've got the big day. Friday morning between 6 and 11 a.m. Looking forward. Have a fabulous Wednesday. Till tomorrow, Nachum Segal reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.